Welcome to this Horizon CIO podcast with me, Mark Chillingworth. Insurance, as a key part of the financial services economy, is often described as facing major disruption, particularly from technology. But as many CIOs in the sector have told me, technology is also the route to opportunity. My guest this week is David Germain, Group Chief Information and Technology Officer at RSA Insurance, one of the UK's most significant insurance businesses. David, welcome to the CIO podcast and thank you for hosting us at London's iconic walkie-talkie building, your headquarters here in the city. Uh, let us begin by understanding the scale of the RSA organisation. You operate in three major sectors, I believe. Uh, can you tell the listeners about the business and its core operations that you're responsible for? Absolutely, Mark. Pleasure to have you with us today at the walkie-talkie. Um, a little bit about the business and the backdrop of the business. We we operate in the UK and international sectors, specifically in UK, Ireland and the Middle East. Um, we've got an operations in Canada as well with uh, one of our major brands, Johnson's, and our Scandinavian business as well with Kodan and Trick Hansa. Um, we've got around 13,500 employees across the organisation um, and we deal with um, what we call core GI products, so everything from uh, home pets, uh, business insurance. Um, some of our key metrics across the organisation is uh, our profitability uh, in 2017. Our operating profit was just over 663 million. Um, our uh, net written premiums was around 6.7 billion, and our com- com- combined operating ratio was around 94%. So in banking terms, we have uh, cost to income ratios. We call it combined operating ratio, which is including of our underlying underwriting profit. That's how we measure the index of our performance against our competitors and peers in the industry. GI, that's, that's general insurance? That's general insurance, and, yeah. And, and it's brands like More Than and some of the quite quite well-known ones on the high street, Absolutely. Isn't it? In the UK, it would be More Than. We've just had a, 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 a an advertising deal for IT, ITV at the moment, so you'll see our adverts on, on ITV. Um, especially in the evenings. Um, and then, like I said, we've got Trick Hansa in, 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 in uh, our Scandinavian businesses and Kodan, and then Johnson's within our Canadian business. So, you know, we're a brand of brands, for want of a better word. Yeah. Um, and then we've got the group entity that sits above that, that, that helps to understand oversight, strategy, et cetera, et cetera. And RSA has, has recently announced record profits for 2017. Um, Stephen Hester sort of is CEO. Since he sort of arrived at the business, he's been on a major reorganisation. Tell us about being part of that and how 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 technology is part of that journey that the, the organisation is charting. No, absolutely, very good question. I think you know one of the things to to recall here is you know for Stephen, it's all about our best in class journey. We've actually come to the end of that recovery now as an organisation. We made that very clear to the markets at our um, uh, annual review uh, towards the end of December and early January. Um, we've got sort of three strategic pillars which we focus on. One is our service to customers. Um, the second is our underlying underwriting results. And the third is how we deliver cost efficiency across the organisation. Uh, those pillars have kept us honest over the past few years as we've gone through restructuring and recovery. And we continue to, to focus on that as a forward-looking strategy. I think some of the other areas that we really have heightened up in the past sort of couple of years is a strong performance around uh, a performance-driven culture of our people. Um, Really focusing on better ways of working through regional collaboration. That's become a a real paramount importance as we continue to look through the organization through a cost lens, and I'll give you some examples of that. And then what I call an architectural-centric view, which is not only focused on technology, but business capability, and how we develop more competitive advantage through leveraging our scale, through how we collaborate as an organization and then through those insights and how we materially turn them into benefits and roadmaps for the organization. 
And 2017, the success was down to improvements in claims and costs ratios, uh, which is the holy grail for the sector, isn't it? How has technology played part in optimising the combined ratio, as it's called? I think technology was, has and will continue to be integral in how we look at our cost ratios. I'll give you some examples of that. You know, the rollout of our uh, claims technology program in Canada went live recently uh, in Q4 of last year. Um, centralizing all of our claims platforms, consolidation, unifying our data marts, um, creating a data warehousing and operational resilience solution helps us to create better insights into our pricing and portfolio and our risk. Um, we're seeing a trend now across the organization, specifically in our portfolio management teams and our risk teams around how we're utilizing machine learning to facilitate pricing um, and ratings. And then furthermore, just the rolling out of our risk-based models um, not just within each region, but then how we leverage the lessons learned of that through methodologies like Kaggle and opportunities um, will help us to better gain more insights into how our portfolio can be managed in the future. So technology has, will and continue to be an integral part. I think what we need to do is continuously industrialise what we do everywhere, continuously educate, learn and develop our people around how these technologies really work and figure out you know, what the future plan could look, look like. Where could we take our machine learning techniques? Where could we take our opportunities to deploy more analytics in the cloud? And what does that give us in terms of efficiency across the organization? And I imagine that's critical because insurance, like other sectors in fun and, and, and in particular financial services, working in the economy, low inflation, macroeconomic challenges. Uh, so, so you've got to do those things. You've got to keep moving forward. Absolutely. You know, we, we, we have to continue to, to focus on our cost base. We constantly have to prioritise uh, what are the right competing values where we hedge our bets. Um, one of the key areas for me as we start to look at that is um, around our cost base around robotics. What can we do with processing and automation? What can we do with artificial in intelligence? Um, where can we take that in our contact centres? Um, how do we create that more ecocentric automated environment but at the same time, ensuring we're not degrading the customer experience, but are actually improving the customer experience. So it's, it's two hats. There's, there's a, a dynamic around looking at technology, specifically AI robotics, which is very important for the organization. But at the same time, we need to look through the lens of the customer experience to ensure we're continuously improving that experience for our our, our direct consumers and our affinity partners as well. Mm. And you've been CIO for, for coming on a year now. You joined in 2017 as CTO. Uh, your remit is information and technology. Uh, tell me about the two different responsibilities. Presumably there's, there's a product orientation to some of that. Absolutely. It was, it's, it's sort of three hats to be perfectly frank. The, <laughs> the, 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 the first hat, joining in January as a CTO, my, my, my ambition and my focus was predominantly around our transformation program, you know, in excess of multi-million pound spends happening in every region, replatforming, consolidation exercises, developing new data solutions, uh, new web-based channels, um, how we're defining our digital experience across the organization. That was really my CTO hat and my focus alongside a very technically competent global organization and trying to get them to, to, to figure out what's the right roadmaps architecturally, how significant do we need to be with some of our purest concepts around um, platforms as solutions compared to moving into the cloud, as an example. Um, and that was one element. The second element was also around being a CIO. And that was that was like going home, going home to me, right? So I got the opportunity to play with tech. I then had the opportunity to look at the operating environment. And again, what the senior executives and the board asked of me in that role is a couple of things. One is around getting a good understanding of the operating environment 
where we spend money, how we spend money, how do we control that investment and what are the benefits and outcomes we get for it. The second is the challenge around our people and capability. As we're moving into, as we've moved into the ITO space and the BPO space, understanding our intellectual property, what we should have in-house, what we should be outsourcing, what's the benefits associated to that and how do you balance that? And then that's coupled with our cyber and compliance and technology risk agendas and a predominant focus on understanding our risk appetite, our risk profile as an organisation. Technically, where should we be investing to remediate? Technically, where should we be investing for tools of the future? And as we go through that transformation, having a very clear glide path for the organisation in terms of operational stability, Mm -hmm. uh, operational resiliency and how we manage our infrastructure on a day-to-day basis. So, So the CIO and the CTO hat have been tightly coupled from my perspective. The further strands which I, I'm trying to bring out and we're teasing out is around innovation. Yeah. And you know, we, t- we all talk about artificial intelligence, we all talk about cognitive analytics, we all talk about connected insurance. The key for me is use cases that can be industrialized across, across our business where it makes sense. We're never gonna be bleeding edge as an organization. That's not something which we prescribe to. But what we are looking at is becoming fast followers and working with great insurtech partners um, understanding what they're doing, how they're bringing that to life for mid-tier organisations, for the for our customers, for our affinity partners, and looking at from an architectural perspective where that would plug into our business process. So it's it's those three strands. I work with our business development teams. I spend a lot of time externally. I, I meet a lot of people who explain how their technologies could work for RSA, and I have to temper that with this operational part of my role, mm-hmm. which is to be a good governance person for the organization and make sure I'm keeping a, a mantle on our on our cost base with a view to our, our CTO hat, which is being very aware of the architectures we're building and making sure we're, we're not building a legacy, for want of a better word. Now, we, we can always say we're building a legacy, but I want to make sure we're building a legacy that's highly resilient. Yeah. And, and during your <coughs> career, and we've known each other a number of years, you, you've had COO responsibilities at, at other financial services organizations. How important is it, that understanding of what is always a, a deeply process orientated industry uh, yeah, it's paramount I, I i think that the cia role as we we all know has changed over the years um you know there was a time when you know uh, cio had to be technically extremely savvy we've seen in recent years uh, uh, cios come out of the business because we wanted more of a business acumen finance hat on the role due to the cost base we're now seeing this digital operating enterprise type leader come to the table who's either worked in the business, been responsible for operating teams, understands the impact of technology and how it can improve not just the underlying operating profit of the organization, but clearly improve our touch points with our customer. And at the same time, that ecocentric technology view where you really have a good understanding of the the technologies that are out there and how it can uh, adapt and integrate into your architectures that you're creating or your legacy architectures as well, because there's not always a need to, to create something new. So, you know, my, my historical COO hats held me in good stead in this role. It's another string to my bow, um, working with teams, meeting um, different cultures within the organization, getting close to the, to the, to the application end user states, um, which I still enjoy and I still do. My roadshows, um, I don't think I'll ever give that up. I'll be surprised if any tech leader does. Um, and it's definitely part of the way forward. Yeah, you, you've touched on uh, machine learning and AI. Tell me about how RSA is, is trying new methods, trying to, to change the way it works, bringing a digital processes inside the organisation. Yeah, no, that's a good question, Mark. I think you know we're a three hundred year heritage organisation with a fantastic um, customer base and a great reputation in the market. That that that's a big positive for the organisation, but it also comes with cultural challenges. 
Um, if I look at, and I'll give you some anecdotal examples, if I look at our UK business, just deployed a major uh, policy lines platform across a three-year roadmap for our UK business working with one of our major building societies. Um, fantastic efforts from the team. And now we're looking at how we can industrialize and, ro and roll that out at scale, um, moving into more of a DevOps environment. So that's very new for our organization coming out of a, a real waterfall technology state. If I take other examples in our Scandinavian region, you know, they're on, they've got teams now which are fully agile. They're into 25 agile teams across the organization, which is Denmark, Sweden, Norway, which is fantastic. Um, they're deploying assets on a six to eight week cycle if they choose to. Um, but more importantly, they're really working at changing the mentality, the culture, how the exec work, how the deployment teams work um, using cloud-based technologies, which is, again, very beneficial when you're working in an agile environment. So I'm, I'm very keen to look at how we can learn and leverage that in other parts of our organization. And then in our Canadian region as well, again, we're embarking on some new platform replacements that will be done in a full agile um, uh, Dev, DevOps methodology, working in a SaaS environment. And again, we can leverage scale, we can learn from each other um, to look at how we improve that. And that's on top of just dealing with our customers as well. So I've personally sat in customer advisory boards now where we've, at, we've had customers at the table talking about their pro our processes, learning of you know, our processes, how we can do things better, getting suggestions from them, which then feeds back into the pipeline of work. And then we'll hit some sprint team or agile team somewhere across our value chain. So we haven't, you know, we will be extinct if we don't develop more agile ways of working, in my opinion. Um, and it's great to see we're doing that across our, our investment base. And presumably you're seeing that customer base change in terms of they're becoming more digitally savvy and want different things. Absolutely. You know, we, we, we looked at a while ago at the dem age demographic of who we trade with, who we interact with. And, you know, there is a, a, a need now to have an omni-channel approach. Uh, people want to see their policy information real time. People want to be able to quote, just not off aggregator sites, but directly through our web channels as well. People want to have text-based messaging, web chat um, instances and messaging and protocols as well. There's a real need to create that omni-channel experience depending on the demographic that you're trading and you're uh, servicing. Uh, so you've told me you're moving to DevOps, you're moving, uh, you're working in agile in various ways. Presumably, the IT operations are changing significantly. Does that mean your your suppliers are changing? You've got a different framework of, of people working with you. Yeah, what we've seen is we've been very fortunate. We've always worked with top tier um, SI organisations ac across RSA Group. Yeah, um, I think they've had the knowledge, they've had the teams. We've not always been in a position to invest in new ways of working and new technologies. Um, the investment cases were put out there three years ago. The roadmaps have been put out there. What we're now asking of our SI providers is to help us change and adapt. Um, and we're doing that. You know, if I think about the, the construct of my organization, we have 650 permanent technologists across RSA group, 170 additional are contractors. Um, and then we've got a number of top tier SI providers. What we ask of them is to help us to learn help us to upskill as we introduce new programs into the organization and new technologies. And then we start to build out our centers of excellence and our, and our communities of practice within each region and within group to support and enable new new, new problems to solve for the organization. Um, and that's in, a, that's in addition to how we deal with our infrastructure and how we deal with our end user computing as well. So you're taking them on the same journey that you're taking yourselves on by the sounds of that. Absolutely, and that's what we ask of them. And, and in some of it's partnership, in some of it we find we're leading the way. Um, especially in some of our geospatial um, technologies. I um, mean, other aspects, we are, you know, we're working and listening and, and using them as as train the trainer type approach. Yeah. 
Looking ahead, the latest wave of technologies will have a major impact on the insurance uh, sector. Uh, let, let's focus on person on the personal insurance business. Is the connected home, the connected car, something that you and your organisation are focused on? Is, is it a reality that's going to impact things very soon? Yeah, I, I think it is, Mark. And um, if I take a step back and look at our telematics proposition, we've got a leading market brand telematics proposition in the UK. Um, our, our business development leaders in the UK are highly focused on connected insurance. We have proof of concepts out at the moment around Escape for Water, which is one of the biggest uh, claims you can you can get in, in, in the UK. And we're looking at sort of bot technologies and sensory-based technologies in the IoT space that can support that, working with uh, InsurerTechs and other software houses. So, you know, IoT, connected insurance is, is, is in our pipeline. Again, like, as I said earlier, you know, we're never going to be bleeding edge, so we're going to be fast followers. But what we absolutely have to do is create an arch- architectures that allow, allow us to very quickly integrate API solutions, working with third party providers and other data sources. Um, that's how we see the road ahead for this organization. Um, but we're very aware that you know, connected insurance um, is a disruptor. And as we provide new services, there'll be an expectation from consumers that we have these bolt-on services that add to our product proposition. So we have to be in the race. And I imagine the biggest change for the business is actually there's connected home, connected car is a different type of risk. You're a risk-orientated business. You assess risk and insure against it. Uh, a connected car, the risk is entirely different to uh, assessing me as a 44-year-old uh, driver of, of a rather average car. Absolutely. And, and what we're seeing is, and I'll, take, and I'll take a step back and take a technology answer to that. You know, mm-hmm. if you think about cloud computing as an example, very different paradigm to free tier distribution architectures on premise, which we were all evolving through the 90s, as an example, right, in an object orientated environment. What we're now seeing is new risks appear through uh, cloud providers and how we develop an ecocentric environment and an ecosystem working with those cloud providers. We're also seeing through how we change our assurance models to manage those cloud providers because the, the risk subtly changes in terms of the profile for the organization and how we then need to upskill our teams to start to think about how we can work with these new technologies in a evolving in a very rapidly changing environment um, for the insurance sector. So you're right, you know, if I take a back step of just the, the pure consumer risk, just how we manage the risk in technology and how we think about the risk is completely different today as it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago when I was sort of a software development manager dealing with, you know, development teams. Yeah. Uh, and not only is the risk changing, but the entire business model is changing. Uh, the more than uh, organization worked with agencies such as Flux to creatively think of new models. I, I had the luxury of seeing some of that uh, 18 months, two years ago. Is it, is it an organization that still manages to do that, to continually rethink itself, rethink how the customer, that was the project I saw, would approach them? Yeah, but we're constantly having a healthy um, tension and debates around, uh, uh, I would call it our digital agenda and our digital operating models, um, how we improve the customer experience. We constantly bring hypothesis to the table around what our customers would want to see from us working with them directly and working through insights we get from our data. Um, we still work with a number of disruptors and Flux, we work with, I can name several that we work with in the UK and in Canada that bring to bear different operating models that are happening out there. Um, we're looking at how we can sort of leverage examples of that in our business um, and some of those could be green shoots. Um, but we, we really are sort of integrally focused on the dynamic of our roadmaps and where we're heading as an organization, but more importantly, where the disruption is taking place, 
how does that impact our business model? And what we don't want to do is to overly adapt to it, but we want to try and be planning ahead of the game to see where the business is heading, where the markets are heading and what we need to do to adapt. So disruption, to your point, is correct. Looking at operating models, absolutely. But it has to be a healthy debate. David, if, if I may change direction slightly, diversity has become an important topic in all areas of business. How important is it to you to demonstrate to others uh, from a diverse background that you can make it to be a CIO of, of a FTSE 100 business such as, uh, as, as RSA? Yeah. Again, Mark, I'm, I'm very privileged and honoured to be in this position. Um, you know, I would say 26 years into my career now, uh, I'm probably seen as a role model. That's what I've been told. So um, thank you for those who see me as, as that role model. Um, I, I, I look at what you can do as a network in, in, in the current environment for a younger generation who are coming through who are diverse. I would look at, you know, your personal performance, your personal development, which is paramount. That gives you the credibility. Um, and I would, I would, you know, say to anyone who, you know, is in that that position, to focus on a few core things. Focus on your strengths. Make sure the organisation can see there's a need for you and what you're adding in terms of value. I would say focus on your development needs as well and your weaknesses. Constantly make that a core exercise that you reflect on, you ask for feedback on. I would say broaden your network. You know, be cultural, be diverse. Don't be scared to, to speak up. You know, organisations want to hear that. That's why they've hired you. And to make sure you've got great mentors around you. You know, I, I've had all those things in my career and what I would call some serendipity, a bit of luck as well. Um, and, you know, I like to think in, even today, you know, 26 years in, you know, some call me a, a, a veteran of technology. I don't really feel like a veteran, but that's what they say. Um, I still feel I need to focus on all those things. Um, and, you know, that credibility aspect is extremely important. So um, I would say to anyone in that position, you know, continue to do those things if you're not doing them. Find ways of, of working with, with individuals that can support your career. Um, but the starting point is always going to be with what you deliver and your personal performance. And, and that's what any organisation will hire you for. And for you, when you were coming up through the ranks, was there a, a champion from a diverse background that you were able to look at and go, that's what I want David Jumain to look like in 26 there, years' time? There wasn't. <laughs> there wasn't, no. if I'm being honest, there wasn't. Um, that didn't come until, that did, there wasn't, that didn't come until sort of a decade into my career where I met some, you know, had a cultural experience and a diverse experience with a few senior executives in a, in a major corporation. Um, and that's when the real conversation started to begin around how I, how I should be growing my career, the behaviours I need to exhibit, um, what organisations are looking for. Um, and it came at the right time, which was the bit of luck I needed, because at that point, I sort of felt like, you know, I'm just navigating around swamps. I'm not too sure what to personally do, apart from just outperform everyone that was around me, which is never enough. So you're right. You know, I, I think the world's changed now. I think there are a few more David Germains around you, you know, around uh, the FTSE 100 and globally as well. There are many new role models that that, that, that come up through the ranks. And more importantly, uh, millennials, younger generations can link themselves back, not just to big corporations, but to organizations like Facebook, as an example, right? Huge huge corporation now, but the CEO is still pretty young. And we can all resonate with, with his journey, how he's built that corporation. Most people tend to use Facebook in some way, shape or form. So there's, there's different relationships around diversity and trans diversity, which is more than just, you know, uh, 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 gender or, or colour. So I think, you know, there's more opportunities out there for people now to relate. And what the individual or the professional needs to do is figure out what their plan is, what their personal plan is, and how they put that into, into execution mode. David Germain, thank you for taking part in the Horizon CIO podcast interview. 
To share your thoughts on being a CIO and how to bring innovation and leadership together, contact me, Mark Chillingworth, on LinkedIn or Twitter. A full article will be published of this debate on the horizonbusinessinnovation.com website. Thank you for listening.